What's up, fight fan? You are listening to Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Friday, July 19th, 2000. My name is Gary on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my always, always amazing co-host, Natalie. Hello, happy Friday. How you doing, man? I am good. It is TGIF. I have had quite the week. You've been there for part of it. There was a lot going on in Bellator. There's a lot going on really in all of MMA. So it's been quite the week, but I'm excited. How about Yeah, it was a lot of fun getting to hang out with you for the uh, Bellator Media Day. And um, I'm excited to... I'm excited for it to be Friday. I might, fingers crossed, end up going to a Dodger game. So that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a very good thing to have. Let's get it started. A lot of fights from the week, from the weekend, and of course going into it. The big one, UFC Sacramento. Obviously, there's a lot going on in terms of what's next in the Bantamweight division. And of course, Amanda Nunes. But the big one, Jermaine Durandamy needs only 16 seconds to stop undefeated Aspen Lad. Uh, Natalie, break down, but the obvious question, what did you think of the stoppage? It was a tad bit early, right? You, you see that Aspen Lad, the second shot didn't land. I think it hit like her shoulder or her chest. But the first one spun it around. So it's one of those cases where you think, okay, she was just going to eat a few more shots. So Herb Dean basically saved her from more punishment. However, it's a little bit frustrating because, you know, Aspen Lad's tough. And Jermaine Durandamy also would have probably preferred to have a more clear-cut victory without controversy because she was getting booed. It wasn't her fault. She didn't do anything wrong. And she still has that, you know, that, like... um bad aura around her from from the holly home and the cyborg you know issues of of 145 so i think for both folks it would have been better if it had gone just a few more uh a few more seconds but i see why i can see why herb stopped it i mean the the punch thrown beautifully you know jermaine has excellent striking it's it's picture perfect the, the, the shot spun Aspen Ladd around. So I get it. But I, I in the same breath, I have to admit, it was a tad bit early. Um, for myself, um, obviously, look, first punch knocks her down. She clearly connects pretty well, like you said. Uh, the one for me that sealed the deal was you have that moment in the day. Jermaine is coming in. Aspen's not really even looking at her. She's still got both hands on the floor. She's on all fours. She's not out, but clearly very hurt and not defending herself, which was the key. And Jermaine comes in. At that point, Herb Dean kind of moves in. You have that moment where Aspen does and all that. So I'd like to credit wasn't out, but I think that when the ref sees these moments when you're really hurt, He's looking, are you still trying to defend yourself or are you so out of it that even if you're not asleep, you are, are you actually, you know, hands up? Are you trying to stop the damage? Are you trying to escape? Are you trying to defend? If he doesn't see that and he knows you're hurt, 
they, you know, look, this is what happens. This is why they get paid for. This is why there's stigma on the refs. You don't want to be that guy who let a fight go too soon because, quote, someone is tough. So I got the stoppage. I think that, once again, Aspen wasn't out. But when you leave yourself open and the ref sees you hurt, you got to know that the ref is, you know, going to stop it. And it's going to happen if you're not defending yourself. So I hear you. Close. Aspen not out. But I I see the ref's uh, view in that split second for sure. The question... Obviously, we just got done watching uh, Amanda get a one-round knockout over Holly Holm. Did Jermaine do enough, in your opinion, to get you hyped up for a rematch between Amanda and Jermaine? So just in the moments before that punch landed, her striking, like I said, looked so good. So it did get me excited. Uh, She has the length like Amanda. She has the skills like Amanda. She's stronger. She's She's comparable size-wise. So even before she, you know, finished Aspen Lab, I was thinking, like, this is going to be a great matchup, you know, for uh, for Nunes. So I'm still excited about it. But but I can understand that the MMA community probably isn't because, you know, just didn't see enough and she still has that bad juju on her from not wanting to fight Cyborg from the cheap shots on Holly Holm. So... I'm ready to see it, but I don't know if it's going to be next. It's it's hard to say now. Well, obviously, next week, we're going to have a very important fight with uh, Cyborg and Felicia Spencer. That could really shake things up, especially if, you know, the unexpected happens and you have Cyborg re-sign. Um, I'm, I hope you're sitting down. Brace yourself because I'm going to go deep into metaphor territory. Yes. Before the fight, <laughs> Jermaine was saying that because vacating the title and all that, not fighting Cyborg, she felt like she was given a life sentence, like being under bad graces. Well, I'd like to point out that because there is a very serious sheriff in Amanda Nunes, they are going to let, um, sorry, they're going to let GDR out on parole for the purpose of you need somebody to get in there. And by process of elimination, Jermaine is the only person who's making any noise at 135. So, yes, it didn't look... I said it on this show for a while. I've said it. It wasn't a good look for Jermaine to say she was going to fight Cyborg and then obviously make the decision she made. But Amanda has gone through everybody else. Ketlin Vieira is still hurt. Anybody else is still working their way up. If you are honestly not interested in a 145 fight that isn't Chris Cyborg, then Jermaine's your only option, plain and simple. And that performance really, look, it's going to look good on the highlight reel. It adds to everything else Jermaine has done. Um, I'm excited. I do think it's a technical fight. I think it's a banger. I think that Jermaine is one of the few girls who can, you know, really go shot for shot with pop with Amanda Nunes. So I am excited for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it too. So I, I hope it actually happens. But you know, when when you get on on Dana White's bad side, which I sort of feel like, you know, GDR still is. You know, it's hard to say. However, he loves Nunez, and if she wants to fight, and as you as you laid out clearly, that's the only really fight that's available that makes sense. Then for for Nunez's sake, he probably will give it to 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 uh, to GDR. Uh, I'll say this, uh, you know, because I know, yes, the behind closed doors, like and dislike and all that. I mean, if you believe in Amanda versus Chris Cyborg, I hope you'll believe in Amanda against Jermaine. 
<laughs> if I do say so myself. Yeah. But yeah, that's um obviously look, the big one is Felicia Spencer and Chris Cyborg. Can Chris Cyborg will Chris Cyborg resign? If Felicia shocks the world, can she do it impressively enough that she can, you know, kind of make that storyline make interest in Amanda moving up to 145 for a fight that isn't Chris Cyborg? That's the real kicker is that she can make 145. I'm sure the fight with Felicia would be good. But is it, you know, does Felicia look good enough in her victory if she gets the job done to make Amanda say that's the bigger fight than Jermaine at my natural way to 135. So that's the real kicker for it. And obviously, after next week, we'll get more answers about that. Moving on, the co main event. Everyone thought that he was going to look in shape, but nobody expected him to look so good so quick. Uriah Faber needs less than a minute also to take out Ricky Simone. Uh, Natalie, it was good to see the California kid back. But, man, did he just re-inject himself into 135. What were your thoughts? He certainly did. I mean, unexpected, for sure. Like, I'm trying to think back on his last few fights before he, you know, sort of two-year retired. There were there was nothing like this. You know, one one-punch knockdown stuff. He looked just ready to go for it. And he always has that kind of, like, stutter step, um style and he wasn't really doing that at first he was kind of flat-footed and so i i was a little worried i was like oh maybe he doesn't have you know the the pop that he used to and then whammo you know he caught ricky simone with that i think i think a lot of it had to do with you know we didn't expect favor to perform like that and ricky simone certainly didn't either and that's that's why he got caught it was an amazing you know sequence great performance for for favor great knockout or knockdown I did wonder immediately, like, okay, you know, is that gonna is that gonna hold water against a, a, a higher ranked opponent at 135? Probably not, but it will. I'll be curious to see how he fares with someone that would would not just, you know, I mean, I wasn't say just stand there, but Ricky Simone didn't just stand there. You know, he landed on favor too. So, yep. so it was it was a good fight up until and. Uh, so yeah, I'm just curious to see under look at the rankings here. 135. I don't. Th- I know that's your next question about you know title shot. I'll, I'll just cheat now and say I don't think he deserves a title shot. So I'm looking <laughs> at like who else he, he could fight. You know, uh, he's ranked 14th right now. Yeah, there's a bunch of decent dudes in the top 10 that obviously because he's such a big name, he deserves a, a big name too. But yeah. uh, not the belt, man. Not the belt. <laughs> Happy for him, but not, no, no title shot yet. Well, if you do my job for me, then what's my point of being here, Natalie? Come on. <laughs> Sorry, bro. It's one of my few joys in life, and you're robbing me of it. I am. No. Um, yeah, to your, no, you're good. I'm kidding. To your credit, um, that, look, for sure, Ricky Simone, he did land some shots on Faber. And Faber, to his credit, took them well, stayed composed, saw his opening, Cracked him with a good one, and that's all she wrote. I think that's a testament to the fact that in retirement, he has been working with the guys. He has been in the gym. He hasn't just, you know, kicked back and enjoyed that Bay Area food. He has been, you know, on point in Sacramento, and he's been working. And I think that's a testament to the competitor. That's why people were excited that he was back. That's why there's a lot of interest and still a lot of love for him from the um, – 
my I agree with you. That looked good against Ricky Simone. It sure did. It sure was awesome. Can he do that to Aljamain Sterling? Marlon Moraes. I mean, he won't fight him, but a Cody Garbrandt. You know what I mean? I can't say it's going to be that easy, for sure. Um, however, it's about Mark story. thing about it is that I like the very organic little beef that he's got with Henry Cejudo. I think that it adds uh, elements of... Um, it, ju it just gives us something. Whereas, uh, quite bluntly, I just don't see that right now with Henry and Benavidez or Henry with Aljamain. Um, even though Aljamain, to his credit, is trying. Um, that being said, I think that competitively, the other guys are just too far ahead. And as much as I love Faber, I need to see him do that against someone more on the upswing before I say that this is the fight to make Henry versus Uriah. I think that the hype is there. I think they're saying the right things. They're going back and forth. But I just don't see the title shot personally. Um, so, yeah. But uh, I guess that would be the thing, a top 10 opponent. Is there anybody that stands out to you? Or do you think that he matches up well with just about anybody? He matches up great with anybody. Munoz, Pedro Munoz. I don't know. Dominic Cruz, he's probably still sidelined. But obviously, that would be interesting, even though they've already fought multiple, what, three times? Yep. That would be interesting, though, because who wouldn't want to see that again? Cruz has been sidelined for so long. Faber's, like, re-energized. So, the, I think the odds would be, um, you know, the odds against Ricky Simone, he was, like, a plus 300, plus 325. He might have the, yep. the minus uh, the odds here uh, against Dominic Cruz, maybe, because it's been so long. So, that could be interesting. Uh, you know, TJ Dillashaw, too far away. It's, like, you know, a year and a half. and But, yep. but, but I'm sure that uh, Dana White's got that in his back pocket for if Faber sticks around for that much longer, like that should be the return fight for sure for, for TJ Dillashaw. Oh, can you imagine? That would be so I mean, that would be something, yeah. But, but as far yeah. as Henry Cejudo goes, like what Henry Cejudo would have in Uriah Faber is a game opponent, like a game pre-fight opponent, right? Yeah. Faber's the old veteran. He knows what to say. He knows how to, you know, he's not a shit talker, but he never sits sits back and lets himself get punked like if you think about mcgregor he always had some kind of comeback from mcgregor and that's a tough one to 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 uh to battle with you know uh on the words there because mcgregor's just so damn good at it so cejudo would have a great match in favor for that uh in that regard whereas he probably wouldn't really with you know maybe with maybe with aljermaine but just looking at anybody else on the rankings here, Asensal, Jan, uh, Munoz, like no, they're not going to have a, they're not going to help build up the fight the way Faber would or Cruz would. Um, so yeah, that's got to be taken into account too because you want to keep giving Henry Cejudo exciting fights. He's a good um, ambassador for the UFC. He's charismatic. He's he's got that cringe thing. You know he does. He's got a gold medal. He's got the gold medal or something, something like that. But he does really well on TV. You know, even when yeah. he's cheesy, he can he can turn it back down and be very serious and be you know the athlete and say all the right things that get people pumped up about a fight. So they need to think about that too. Who's going to be a good you know verbal cerebral match for him in the lead up and the build up to whatever fight they make next. No, I, I'm with you. I, I think that that's a real key for Henry Cejudo is finding that opponent, 
Look, we'd love for Uriah not been retired and be up there. That way we could get hyped for it. But um, I think that's the challenge. If Uriah Faber wants that title fight, he's going to have to get booked against some other guys first. And that's no easy task with a lot of guys doing well at 135 right now. Um, that's not even mentioning Peter Yan and other guys like that in the, who are on the upswing in the rankings, not just Aljamain. But look, from Sacramento, but there were fights all week. The next one that is very important leading into next week, Bellator, I want to say this one was 224, Julia Budd against Olga Rubin. Um, one round only. Olga, I thought, looked good and looked game and looked ready for Julia Budd, but the fact is she was up against one of the best talents and in the division in MMA, and it showed. What did you think of this, um, the fight for as long as it lasted, and... What do you think about Julia Budd trying to lure in Chris Cyborg with that performance? That, yeah, it was a great performance by Julia Budd. Sweet body shot. It just froze Olga Rubin. And those those liver shots are always so fascinating to see because of the delayed reaction. You know, the fighter's like, oh, they get frozen. And then their face just like, you know, morphs into a, into a grimace. And they like try to like, they kind of like shuffle backwards. It always happens the same way. So yeah. Um, Julia Budd capitalized on it, and there was nothing Olga could, uh, uh, Olga Rubin could do. So that was a great win for her. Um, you know, as far as will that get Cyborg in there? Did I miss uh, Julia Budd calling out Cyborg? Because I don't, I don't, I thought she called out like Leslie Smith or somebody else. She didn't. She went with Leslie Smith and Gabby Garcia for That's a right, Gabby promotion. Garcia. Yeah. So. You know, Gabby Garcia, there she's buddies with Cyborg, so that could get Cyborg's attention. Uh, I wish she had directly called out Cyborg, but I think she still did enough to uh, to get her her uh, uh, to get Cyborg's attention. And I don't know what the contract looks like for Cyborg. Right, her fight with Felicia yep. next week, and then I, from what I just recall about other fighters there's always like some kind of like period right where the ufc has like an option to match any offer yeah so she would still have to wait maybe six months i think is usually how long they are uh which is fine you know give her some time depending on how this fight goes uh i still want to see her in bellator also wouldn't mind um some other promotions i think you got something uh on your mind there too <laughs> no i definitely do it's like you saw my notes. Or it's something. like I saw your notes. Well, I was about to say it, but then I thought, no, just back up. <laughs> let, let Gabriel press him, let him take the shot. He, that's what he does. No, um, look, like you said, uh, the body shot, beautiful. Clearly, just um, really got Olga in the right spot, and that's all she wrote. Um, I think that the call out was a calculated move. I think that Julia Budd sidestepped it to say this moment is all about me it's not about a girl who's not in the company which okay very calculated move i get that from a business side of things you want to make it about you not about cyborg um the fact is cyborg knows she's out there julia bud knows the situation with cyborg they know that's a fight that would be awesome uh, the big question is, obviously, is the deal going to be enough for Cyborg to leave UFC? We know her personal relationship and the back and forth with Dana White. We know what how she feels about the stuff Joe Rogan has said in the past. And all of that makes it hard to say that Cyborg is going to sign 
multi-fight contract at this stage of her career. She sees, you know, she's got a good relationship with Coker from Strike Force, um, you know, back then. So she sees Julia Budd, Arlene Blanco, uh, Janae Harding is there. There's, you know, there is life outside of the UFC for Cyborg if she wants it. The question is going to be, is the money going to be worth it? Is it what she wants compared to the financial money of uh, Amanda Nunes rematch if she wins and XYZ in UFC? Obviously, there's a business and a personal factor. It's not just about the fights. And the only person who really knows how she really feels is Cyborg. And until she tells us, we're really not going to know what is the real hook, what is the real kicker for her at the end of the day when she makes her decision. Um, going to the other fights, we did have some PFL. And of course, everyone knows the star over there, Kayla Harrison, scores another first round finish. She gets into the playoffs. She sets up, uh, well, not sets up, but the final is still a possibility between her and former Invicta and Strikeforce champ Sarah Kaufman. Um, really, I guess my question would be now, we know the Bellator option is there. Do you think that the PFL is an option for Chris Cyborg? I do think it is still an option. And I would love to see her face Kayla Harrison. But it, it depends. And I've already, I think, on the show mentioned a few times that I would love to see Cyborg go to PFL. You know, she'll miss out on this tournament, but maybe she could fight at December and then be in next year's tournament. However, um, I, I try to think, what would she really want? And I think she wants to be respected by her promotion. So I, I believe she'll get that at Bellator. She'll get that at PFL. But if she wants to cement her legacy, earning the Bellator championship, I think, will be more significant than beating Kayla Harrison and PFL. Because it's just a newer promotion. And, and even though Kayla Harrison has this amazing Olympic background, uh, she's still working her way through MMA. So obviously, I definitely want to see them fight. I think it would be interesting. Kayla Harrison is just a big physical force. And Cyborg, how would she look? I don't know when is the last time she fought at 155, but I don't think we've seen it. I haven't seen it anyway. So I'm sure she would appreciate having to cut 10 less pounds because even 145 is still difficult for her. So that's yep. an important consideration. Um, but I suspect she'll she'll want to go get a more significant belt and that would be one at Bellator or or one if that's on the table but one I think I don't know as far as women in that weight class seems a little bit like actually I don't even know if they have a 155 uh, a lightweight division for women on, at one uh, I don't think they do not a significant one if I may say so um, I, I, not to say that they haven't had fights in the past to my knowledge obviously look a lot of us in the west we're still getting familiar with one and getting you know really a good sense of the roster and what they really have to offer right but look I'm sure one would offer her a ton of money also which is why her free agency decision is there Ryzen uh, Gabby Garcia is already over there so there's a little bit of an in for Ryzen in the Chris Cyborg sweepstakes and look like we've all said the biggest fight you could make is Amanda Nunes at the end of the day and um Look, uh, I'll say now, and I'll reiterate it next week for sure, there may never be another clash of such dominant forces like Amanda and Chris Cyborg like we have right now, for as long as Cyborg has been dominant. For the fact that Amanda, after despite everything Cyborg's done, that Amanda might be the best ever. 
all of that really just creates for such a legacy kind of fight if they have such a long contest that it's hard to walk away from that. But the fact is, that's the business side of things where they're at. So that's what makes these so significant. I think that if you're Julia Budd, you did your part. Kayla Harrison did her part. Now it's on Chris Cyborg. How does she do with Felicia? And then what is her decision afterward? But the other players did their part. Now it's on Chris Cyborg to hold up her end of the bargain. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. And let's keep talking about some Bellator. They decided right after our show, which is always disrespectful last week, to (laughs) announce all these fights. You know, it's like Scott Coker. I told you, I'm doing the show on Tuesday. I need you to make these announcements on the Helwani show. Otherwise, they don't make it. That's very rude of you, man. Come on. But yeah, let's get it started. The Featherweight Grand Prix is announced in a big way. Just about every featherweight you know in Bellator is in it. And Natalie, I mean, we, obviously we could be here all day talking about the X's and O's and all the fun stuff in the matchups. But very bluntly, what stands out to you about this tournament? A couple of things. The fact that it's from 16, starting with 16 fighters versus eight. And and hearing Scott Coker explain it, it makes sense. You know, when you do your first round of eight fighters, you think, wow, we're still leaving a lot of really good, exciting fighters on the table. So let's double the number. I like that they're doing, unlike with the welterweight uh, tournament, they did uh, five rounds for every fight. Here they're doing three in the first round, with the exception of, you know, whoever's fighting... Um, your champ Pitbull, which in this case is um, Juan Archuleta. So he has to do a five rounder, but in the second round, uh, then everyone goes to five, right? So I like that. They're, they're really thinking what makes sense. They're thinking about their fighters. You want to make sure they don't get burned out and um, you want to have exciting fights. And if you give them five rounds, sometimes it gets a little, it can get a little boring, I think. Yeah. So I'm happy about that. I'm happy to see some of the names here. Henry Corrales, very excited to see him. He's just a killer man. And he's fighting Darian Caldwell, which is also interesting. I love that Bellator is so flexible, so creative with having their fighters go up weight classes for these tournaments. You know, they did it in the heavyweight uh, tournament, and that was also great to see. And um, and also, oh, you know, I mentioned his name already, but just talking to Juan Archuleta, what we did on, on Wednesday, hearing his, he's basically, you know, retelling his pitch, it was his idea. You know, he wanted to fight for the belt. He uh, he, he volunteered to, to, to take on Pitbull in the first round. Let's prove I'm the best. Let's I want to win the belt in the tournament and then win the tournament. Pretty ballsy. And uh, I'm excited to see what he has to what he has to say with his fist when he meets uh, when he meets uh, Pitbull. What do you think? Yeah, um, to keep going on Archuleta, he told me it's like it's not about the belt, the tournament, the draw. It's just about being the best, being the man in this tournament. And he, that's why he's like, that's why I wanted Pitbull first rather than, you know, set up the dream final, be the guy to take him out for all the marbles, you know. So he, he explained it very well in this way that made sense to me. If it were me, I personally want my storyline of taking him out in the final, McKee and others have said there's a chance that these guys get upset and they don't make it so if you want the big fight you kind of want to target them early rather than you know hope they make it to the end of the line within a 12 months so very interesting move um I think that because the tournament they're gonna do the draw this makes it very interesting because like we saw with the um welterweight tournament you wanted Venom Page and Rory McDonald. That didn't happen. 
now at 145, what are the fights you've wanted to see? AJ McKee versus uh, Pitbull. Maybe, um, you know, now Darian versus Pitbull after they got into it. Um, things like that. That isn't as easy to make now. And if one of these guys loses, the, the hype is kind of over, you know, very simply. So that is a very interesting part of the tournament. But, you know, they're trying to mix it up. They're trying to be different. That's one thing Scott Coker and his companies have always done. They've always offered that thing that isn't available in UFC or anywhere else. And that's why the tournament is set up the way it is. And if it's about being different, I like it. But I'll also say that's a big risk. You run the risk of not having those biggest fights happen. But it adds an extra element. So maybe as it gets rolling, I'll like it a little better. Okay. I know that was very long winded. No, it wasn't long winded. I just, I agree with you. And, and, uh, uh, I like, I, I, you know, I like it right off the bat, but I understand what you're saying and, and it makes sense going a little bit of a different, uh, path here than they have with their other tournaments. Yeah. You're putting some things at risk, but I trust Scott Coker, man. I really love how thoughtful they are at Bellator, how creative and flexible they are. So, I mean, I'm excited. Yeah. Quick note. I also like the fact that Aaron Pico's not in it. Yeah. Um, respectfully, I look, I would love to see him in L.A. I know that's his town, but I also thought that that was a very good. Um, I think he needs a little bit of a break, very bluntly. I like we've said uh, last month, I thought he doubled down by taking a matchup with Adam Borix and it just didn't play out well. I think that he's still got a lot of upside. I think it's just um, timing. I think he needs to really recover, get a good style matchup in, kind of get out of his own way, and then we'll see the Aaron Pico we really want to see. But I actually think that right now where he's at, it was a, you know, I think it's a good decision all around to wait. And he's still got a lot of time in this sport to make noise, even if it's not in the tournament. Moving on, there is a lot more going on in the division. There's a lot more going on in Bellator. They finally announced a heavyweight title defense for Ryan Bader. He's going to be taking on Czech Congo. That one is September 7th, I want to say. But, yeah, so that one, there are a couple first-round fights that night. Natalie, what are your thoughts? We finally get Ryan Bader back, and it's up against a killer in Czech Congo. Yeah, I mean, you know, Brian Bader hasn't disappointed since he's been at Bellator. So excited to see him back in it. Uh, he had a well-deserved break after you know, burning through the heavyweights, uh, getting a second belt. Um, so what was interesting to me was just seeing them face off because Chet Kong was just so much taller than, than Ryan Bader. But I think that's normally the case, right? He's a little bit on the short yeah. side. He, he's broad and he's strong, but he's a little bit on the short side. So uh, I'm kind of <laughs> kind of excited to see, like, how quickly Ryan Bader can finish Chet Congo just because I really do think he's got – the mental edge on on and the athletic edge on like everyone in those in those top divisions, the heavyweight, light heavyweight divisions. Is that Ryan Bader, you mean? Ryan Bader, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that um and I asked both of them this, is it as simple as getting the takedown at the end of the day? Like check, why is that wrong? Ryan, is that correct? And you know, they respected it, but I think that Everyone knows that that's what's going to be the key is if Ryan Bader gets it, it's hard to see a guy like Chekongo getting back up. If uh, Ryan can't get it, if Chekongo you know, and stuffs it, 
I think it becomes a very different fight very quickly. But um, I think that that's a very key question. And obviously, we'll go in-depth on who will actually be able to implement that later. But, you know, it's similar to Habib versus McGregor when we talk about it, is that is it as simple as getting the takedown? And for as impressive and powerful as these guys are, it almost feels too one-dimensional. But that would, that's what also adds the intrigue. Czech Congo could be ready, just lands that monster uppercut as he's on the way in, and that's all she wrote. That's exactly how strong he is. So that's what makes it intriguing. I asked Ryan what took so long. He said that that was a Bellator thing. He wanted it in June. Oh. They obviously pushed him to September. And so he was like, I could ask you what took them so long to get me in there. I, I was hoping sooner, but th it is what it is. We have the fight finally. And on a positive note, he says he's okay going back to 205 after this tournament or otherwise to defend that belt. So we have some good, good news, good forecasts coming up in the division. Moving on, let me see what else we have. It's a big show, so I'm forgetting a lot of my notes. Yeah, yeah, um, we got um, Machida oh. and Musasi, right? Yes, there we go. Thank you. It's Friday, guys. I'm kind of <laughs> already thinking about my Saturday. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm anyway, with you. <laughs> Be Bellator LA, they have a big co-main event, like you just said. Miyota Machida, Gegard Musasi, the rematch from about five years ago in the UFC. Um, this one, Musasi making the quick turnaround after losing to Lovato Jr. I think that's the real kicker. What are your thoughts on the fight? Uh, you know, well... I was about to say, you know, I love Leota Machida, but I think that's been well established. So I'm excited to see him maybe fight. Once or twice. Yeah, maybe once or twice. I'm excited to see him fight. And actually talking to, to Gegard Musasi in person, which I had not done before. He's so chill, man. <laughs> it's he's like when he chill. fights, isn't it? He's just got that vibe to him. He does, yeah, he's got this like very like relaxed, like, um, you know, unimposing like, swagger. but. I'll go get frozen yogurt. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, really friendly, and he's just kind of sitting there doing his thing. So it is going to be very interesting to see these two guys fight because of Machida's karate style, which can also be sort of seen as laid back the way he, you know, postures backward with his, you know, in that karate stance and then just kind of strikes like a viper. Um, they're just, they're two big names. They're two exciting fighters. They've already fought before. So, I mean, there's nothing to, to dislike here. Only only things to love. But uh, you got me there. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I thought okay. we lost. No, um, yeah, no, no, no. They they really are big names. They're really. Uh, I, I think this is the fight we all wanted. We were just surprised when. Look, let's be honest. And even uh, Musasi said it. It's like the dream was to still be on this win streak when I fight Machida. Now that's the dream is kind of shattered, right? And um, I think that if you're talking about Musasi, you, like, let's be honest, we all thought the argument way Whitaker and Adesanya and everyone else who's making noise. I mean, the question does have to be, does this fight get Musasi back there? I think that that's a little tough, but the fact is he's one of the best uh, middleweights in the world right now. Is he rematch if he wins? Does he want uh belt? I think that's something we got to wait and see, and until we get that, it's hard to really make that decision. 
stylistically, they're very good. I think they're both very patient. They're very technical. You're really going to have a chess match out there. And I think that's what's going to come down to it in terms of who wins this one is who actually gets their shot off first. Yeah, I think so too. Um, who can strike that, that, that hard, you know, this like combobulating shot first and um, leg kicks. I sort of see, sorry if you mentioned that it cut out a little bit, but, but I think leg kicks on Musasi's part could also be sort of an interesting aspect of this game of this fight. No, I, I'm with you there. I think that's the best way to slow down Lyoto Machida is if you could get it done, which um, at boxing range, which is uh, Musasi's bread and butter, uh, I think, and I think that that's going to be the one that really has to get the job done. All right. Can't wait. Hopefully we'll be there for yeah. it. <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, that's going to be our next assignment together, I think. I think so, yeah. But yeah, the there's a lot more news going on. You also have the fight that was just announced yesterday afternoon. Um, UFC Vancouver, Justin Gaethje versus Donald Cerrone. That another interesting fight. That one very exciting. It's good television. I guess the question would be, how do you feel about Cowboy taking this so soon after that Tony Ferguson fight? You know, he's a tough guy. First of all, I'm super excited about this fight. But yes, that is something to consider. He's he's really tough. Uh, but we, at least I have no idea what he looks like right now. Like, you know, as far as his face and recovery. Um, but you got to believe, you know, you could use a few more months with, the, with those kind of injuries. I don't know. Um, that does make me a little bit worried because especially because Gaethje is so relentless. Um, but, I mean, apart from that, I mean, this is a great matchup. Like, we were waiting to see who's going to get paired up with Justin Gaethje. He's the only one at 155 that was kind of sitting on the sidelines a little bit longer than, uh, than, than we liked. So, this is great. I mean, it's going to be another game fight. But I, I worry for these two guys, like, they're always going to be – those fighters that just get they're really exciting everyone wants to see them fight but it's always like you know you're gonna get a brawl when you see these two guys and like it's in their nature to fight that way but sometimes I feel like man what if they want to take it easy one of these times you know <laughs> and the, the pressure is always on them to just go out there and swing I think they like it that way though uh, I get what you're saying it's like what a Gaethje just wants to wrestle one of these days and just get an easy win I think that that would be very interesting. I think that we're very lucky that guys like him, Tiago Santos, the zombie, that they're kind of wired. They like to fight that way. So use the word as sympathetic to the situation. But I think that that is what I really feel when I look at the, the two of them. Yeah, that's, um, that's fair. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I get what you're saying. Um, the only thing I can think of is that uh, must-see television. On another note, if Tony Ferguson is after Dustin Poirier for the next shot at the title, then the winner of this one has to be right there. And if someone gets hurt, I would argue that they don't even try to book another fight. They just wait to make sure these guys stay healthy because they might get a gas me. What are your thoughts on where the winner of this one is at the title picture? Yeah, I mean, there's it, it's fair to say that they would be, one of these two guys would be next in line. 
but McGregor's still hanging out in the wings there. So I think it's more likely that the winner of Cerrone Gaethje will fight McGregor. So essentially, you think that this fight is low key, like the Conor McGregor sweepstakes for Gaethje and Cowboy? Yeah, I think so. Uh, just because there's so many big names in this division, Dana White has. I mean, not that we got to take his word for it, but I will in this case because Conor's still his boy. He says Conor's not going to fight the winner of Khabib Poirier. He says he's not going to fight Mazadal. He's too small for 170. So I think he knows if if uh, well. He, he has to give something something big to Connor to get him back, but um, I don't think if he already said he's not going to give him the belt, then it's got to be an exciting fight that people are going to tune in for. They're going to want to pay money to see, and uh, it just look. I don't see a championship fight in his future anytime soon, and so yeah, anyone who gets to fight Connor at this point, it still is a little bit of you know red panty night. It's that's not going to last forever. And uh, just looking at the rankings, it just makes sense to me that Cerrone Gaethje winner gets McGregor, and then McGregor can get his title shot if he wins. I think that if McGregor wants to rematch with Habib, uh, the winner of Cerrone Gaethje is the guy he has to beat in order to reintroduce himself and get people hyped up. Um, I do think that if Poirier can uh, get past Habib and something happens to Tony, that does give you a dark horse for a McGregor Poirier rematch but uh, I'm with you I think that if you really want to hype people up about a Connor title fight he has to fight one of these guys and I do think that is what we'll see so I don't think you're wrong and you know worst case scenario you still have another surging lightweight contender that's not a bad place to be in in the lightweight division so but I like thinking I do think this could be a you know a little setup for the Irishman, so I, I like that. Yeah. But moving on, we do have a fight card this weekend still. The UFC goes to Texas in beautiful San Antonio. Uh, just FYI, I love San Antonio. <laughs> I went to cover fights there. The people were so nice. Um, literally, I could tell what people were saying. My stress just went down. I love Texas. I see why it's so great. Um, so I think it's always cool when the UFC goes to these kinds of cities. They have a big welterweight title fight. Rafael Dos Anjos looks to stop Leon Edwards' win streak. Natalie, how do you see this one going down? Well, I think I think RDA is going to take it. He looked good against Kevin Lee, even though you know it was a test for Kevin Lee moving up to 170. RDA has looked pretty good at 170, right? He has those two losses to big guys, big wrestlers, Kamaru, Colby. So it's tough for him. He may never get the belt because it's going to be tough for him to beat guys with that size. Now, Edwards is, is tall, but he's not this like big hulking fighter like the other, the other two. So I think RDA gets it. He's smarter. He's still fast. He still uh, has great movement. And uh, I think the intelligence will be the factor here. I don't know. It might go to decision. It might not be the most thrilling fight, but I'm, I'm, I'm picking RDA here. You know what? I really think that this is going to be Edwards coming out party. Oh. I think that the UFC is really set up. Look, Dana White says it all the time. If you beat RDA, that means you're entitled contention. I think that's why Edwards got RDA, even though the rank almost feels like it doesn't make sense. Um, it's because, you know, when you look at him, you look at... Uh, uh, Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos, who's on a seven-fight win streak. Ponzinibbio's injured. I think that Edwards is the guy who low-key 
uh, UFC kind of wants to reestablish another UK star. And with Darren Till on the downswing, I think that Edwards is the guy they're kind of looking at. And that's why they're giving him the fight with RDA. I think the height and the range is really going to give RDA problems. Edwards, even though we don't talk about him a lot, he is no slouch. He's very well-rounded. He's able to hang with guys like Cowboy Cerrone. I think his only loss in years was to Kamaru very early in their UFC run. So he's a tough guy. And I think that all of that experience plus the physical traits are going to get the job done against RDA. I think that on paper has so many weapons. It's physical abilities and the youth are going to counterbalance that. And I do think Edwards, I'm with you, not a pretty Edwards edging out a decision against a tough RDA. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's going to the judges. So we'll we'll uh, we'll agree on that and then disagree on who gets the call. But, you know, these are skilled dudes. And so it should be an interesting fight. But I don't think it's going to be, like, terribly exciting. Uh, I think they just have the – you're expecting a measured pace from the two. and Because and, yeah. I think I am too. Am I correct in that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's just going to come down to one of those fights is uh, who, you know, a, a chess match. That's what we're going to see because they're so technical, because they have so many weapons on the feet, on the ground. I think they're going to try to mix it up and not get into bad positions. So I'm with you there and we'll see who gets the bragging rights next week. <laughs> Natalie, we're already going back to another UFC pay-per-view. This is always odd when they do two pay-per-view, pay-per-views a month because it always... Like, let's be honest, I'm still feeling a little bit of the hangover from my second knockout and Amanda and John Jones and Tiago Santos that next week you're already back in a title fight. You have Max Holloway versus Frankie Edgar, the Chris Cyborg fight that we've been talking about a lot. What are you most excited for for next week? Well, yeah, I definitely still have a little bit of a hangover from that. I still have a dent in my wallet, so actually not looking forward to (laughs) another pay-per-view in July. And then there's Pacquiao Thurman this Saturday, tomorrow, and like jeepers, like I can't do three, right? So something's got to give. I'll probably skip out on Pacquiao Thurman. Uh, but I mean, you gotta anytime... hit up your local local restaurant. Yeah, I'm gonna go hit a B Dubs. Support your local business, <laughs> right? Um, Holloway Edgar, like this is the fight everyone's been waiting for, and you know Holloway. Hopefully he's in good shape. You know, not phys- not like his stamina not his cardio but you know he took quite a beating uh and edgar's coming for blood this is his last chance i believe it's his last chance and i believe he knows that for a shot at the uh 145 gold so it's gonna be a scrap i'm excited for that i'm also excited to see if felicia spencer has anything for cyborg so we'll see yeah, I think, I mean, Cyborg, we all want to know is like, look, as much as the free agency decision is, she's got to beat Felicia. She doesn't beat Felicia Spencer. People are like, well, you're not really fighting the best Cyborg anymore, da, 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 da. And, you know, that's a lot of pressure. And uh, she's coming off a very tough knockout. It's like, dude, you know, this this isn't a gimme for Cyborg. There's a lot of external factors going in. And then if you're Max and Frankie, like you said, I mean... How's Max going to be after that loss to Poirier? Frankie, how does he fight? Stylistically, you know, one of the strongest wrestlers Max has ever faced. So that makes it all very interesting. And uh, I'm just ready for it. I think that the double header at the top has got a lot of intrigue. And there's a lot of X's and O's to break down that I'm excited to talk about. 
Natalie, it is always fun. We have another fight weekend, so we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Where can the fans keep up with you on social media? Hit me up on Twitter at Zamudiorama5. Pretty much, uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, That's my main one that I go to. Instagram is Zamudiorama. And the straightpunch.com is the uh, the website where I do my uh, write my musings about combat sports. Awesome. Definitely check her out. Guys, you know you can find me anytime at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double, and we'll be back next week.